welcome to the Healthy Gospel Church podcast, a podcast where we explore all aspects of church life while also shining a spotlight on good practice in your local church. My name is David Meredith, I'm the Mission Director for the Free Church of Scotland based in Edinburgh and I'll be your host. If you like what you hear, then please like, share and subscribe. Spread the news. Very warm welcome to the latest edition of the Healthy Gospel Church podcast, uh, a podcast that's listened by many, many people and a growing listenership. So it's always good to talk about things to do with church, healthy church and the Christian life. And uh, today, uh, my privilege to have Anne McDonald as, as my guest. Anne, uh, hi, how are you? Hi, David. I'm good, thank you. Excellent, excellent. Can you tell the good listenership of this podcast um, what your job title is, what you do? Yep. I'm the student and young adult worker at Bonacord Free Church in Aberdeen. Tell us your your journey into that particular ministry. Sure. Um, so about, well, several years ago, I started to feel kind of... Um, kind of spiritually hard. Like I I was conscious that I wasn't moved by anything that I was reading in the Bible or hearing at church or um, just kind of noticed a kind of deadness creeping in. And so what I did, I did a kind of inventory of what I was consuming mentally um, throughout any given day. And what I noticed was um, probably about 90% of what I was taking in was secular and just a very flimsy 10% or so was spiritual, spiritually nourishing. Um, so I did kind of consciously flipped that around and made an effort to read the Bible a lot more and listen to Christian podcasts like this one, um, read more Christian books and just, um, just change that ratio. And what I would like to say here is I'm not saying, you know, that as Christians, we shouldn't engage with um, our culture, like this, a secular culture. I think that's really, really important to do that. Um, but it was just the the ratio of what I was taking in was off. Um, and yeah, I actually think, you know, art, literature, TV, film are all really good things to to, to engage with. Um, as long as we're doing it kind of think thoughtfully and thinking through, um, is this, what, what is this telling me about what's influencing society? What, what does it tell me about, um, yeah, people's worries or desires and, um, what's good about it? What's pointing to the gospel? What's not good? And thinking about it like that is, you know, that's a really healthy thing. But my problem was a lot of what I was taking in was just very vacuous and kind of innocuously, um, is that kind of books, social media, TV, Yeah, like even everything. just having the radio on in the car all the time, music that I was listening to, maybe okay. just a steady stream, so, nothing that was overtly damaging, yep, but just... Yep. So how did that How did that end up in, in your ministry track? So once I sort of flipped that ratio around and I was reading the Bible a lot more and I was, um, I was starting to see how amazing... The Bible really was and how it all was pointing to Jesus. And I just got so excited about all the connections that I was seeing. I started to develop better skills for handling the Bible. And I started to feel this burden that I wanted to share what I was learning and teach it to others. But as a woman I in the church, I couldn't see any obvious avenues for that. 
Um, so I would talk about it with my husband and I was praying about it. And I just came to the point where I prayed and handed it over to the Lord. And I said, um, I feel this burden and this desire to teach. I'm just going to trust that if this is what you would have me do, that you will provide an avenue for that. I couldn't see how that would come about, but um, I had a piece about it then. And um, pretty soon after that, Rob came home from a session one night and said, oh, we're, we're looking for a new student worker. I think you should apply for it. And I just thought, yes, I would love to do that. Um, and so I applied and I thankfully very, very grateful for getting that job. It's been such a privilege um, to be studying the Bible as my job and sharing that with young people and getting to know young people in, in such a, a, a kind of intensive way and seeing the Holy Spirit at work in their lives as they want to study the Bible more and as they thrive and grow. So it's been it's been an immense privilege. Great. I mean, I, I, as, you, as you talk, you're flicking certain switches in, in my brain, uh, and that's good. That's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> and my brain's not very big, so there's not many switches. But one of the things you said there was seeing Jesus and the whole Bible. I guess posh folk would call that a redemptive historical hermeneutic, mm -hmm. um, which is refreshing for me to hear. Uh, did this come to you naturally, or where did you... I mean, get that idea, though, of Jesus in, in all the scripture. I know that like Nancy mm -hmm. Guthrie has really popularized that recently, and she's talking a lot about it to, to women and the whole idea of interpretation and hermeneutics. Did you get this early on? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Yes, I, I think, uh, you know, as I mentioned, I was listening to more Christian podcasts, reading more books. So some of that was Nancy Guthrie and Jen Wilkin, R.C. Sproul, um, lots of different influences, um, the Bible Project, things like that, that were kind of um, helping to equip me to see these things and see those connections. Um, I, don't know, I, I mean, it, it wasn't completely new, I, I but... The Holy Spirit brought all of these things together in a fresh way at that time for me. Now, I, I spoke there about you know avenues into ministry. Are you comfortable with using that word ministry? Um, yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, I th as far as I'm aware, it just means to serve, which I think all Christians are kind of called to do. Um, I guess the noun minister has other connotations, but the term ministry, I think I'm very comfortable with. Okay, I want to tease this out for a little bit. I mean, I often, you know, I, I'm called upon to talk to a lot of congregations and, and give advice and various things. Uh, congregations often, their very first appointment is a youth worker. It is almost always the wrong hire, almost always the wrong decision for the wrong motives. Um, I don't think that's true in, in your case, by the way, because I think folks see a youth worker as a quick fix. The circle I mix in are always looking for um, quick fixes to, to get the congregation younger. Uh, obviously, you've thought about this. I like I like your job title. I like what you do. Have you any thoughts about this kind of quick fix attitude to get a congregation younger? I, I can see a concern behind, I can understand the concern behind the question, but I do think there is a need, especially for student ministry, um, because that's such a unique stage of life. Um, when when someone leaves home and comes to a new city and a new church, they're kind of at a crossroads and they've got to make that decision. Are they 
going to move on and do their own thing or is the faith that they've been brought up with something that they own themselves and some of them can be a bit unsure about that and I think if you've got someone set aside and a ministry set aside to to really nurture people in that space and um, kind of show that that they're cared for, that they're that there's a, a place for them, that they're going to be discipled, um, that can have a big impact at that vulnerable time in their lives. Like, for example, just a few weeks ago, one of our students was sharing with me her testimony, and she was saying that when she came to university just uh, just last year, she wasn't um, planning to come to church, but she kind of did come along and then just got sucked in because there was so much provided for her. And as a result of being in church, hearing the word preached, seeing Christians love one another, loving her, um, she became a Christian. And so I think that illustrates how this kind of ministry can be very important for this particular age and stage. But I also think um, university is a unique time where people are a bit more open to exploring the big questions. Um, so we've seen lots of our students who are Christians bringing along friends who aren't, and they've been wanting to come along to Christianity Explorer, doing one-to-one Bible studies, and some of them have been um, have become Christians. So I think there is a lot of value in a ministry that is for this stage. However, one of the things that I'm really keen on um, and we're really keen uh, not to do at Bon Accord is for it to become a subset of the congregation. And I think that can happen when you've got a very, when you've got a youth ministry or a student ministry, it can become this separate subset, which is not healthy and not um, not good for the church as a whole. And so what we really want to do is encourage relationships with the students and other members of the congregation. So we try and do that in structured ways, like um, providing things like life groups, which well, we call life groups, but it's like a um, Bible study every second week in in, in different people's homes um, and uh where they can get to know other people of different ages. But we try and provide, like we, we match people up for a mentorship program as well and, and hospitality, and match people up with hospitality. And even just organically, I sometimes feel like a matchmaker because I, um, I know the students really want to get to know the older folk in the congregation. I also know the older folk in the congregation really want to get to know our students. And so it's like reassuring both sides. They like you too. They want to know you. And it's just this organic encouragement that, you know, you 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 can build relationships with each other. Don't just stick to, to each other. And um, the other thing I think that's really helpful for not having this separate subset of the congregation is service, like encouraging our students to serve. So during COVID, which is when I started the job, I think it was a unique time because um, students were feeling very vulnerable and needed a lot of looking after. Um, and But thankfully, we've left that stage behind for now, uh, hopefully not just for now. But um, And um, now we're really focusing on encouraging service and the students really want to serve. And so that's a really lovely way to get them to know other people in the congregation and being part of the church family as a whole. Yeah, I mean, when I say this, almost always the, 
the wrong decision. I've got to unpack that a, a little bit. I think where it usually does work is in student congregations, where it's almost necessary and it's a, you know a specialist area. Uh, and I think it's true also in larger congregations where there's an existing youth work. You know, when I was in Smith, we had, I don't know, 40, 50 young people there. Where where it's not great is if a congregation has no young people and they kind of get a youth worker in often to try and get young people in. What you're talking about is something, I love your word, organic, uh, intergenerational, you know, it comes out of a natural ministry of, of the church. So, um, so if you are out there thinking of hiring a youth minister uh, or youth worker, whatever, just think about it really carefully. Some of your churches are ripe for it. Others are probably uh, not, not there. There's other more strategic hires. Okay, um, you are a millennial, I think. Mm-hmm. Just. Um, <laughs> just. Just nudged in there. Um, tell me, you know... I, I'm a baby boomer. I'm so out of touch. I don't even see your generation. But uh, tell me what are the top three elements that you're finding ministry among young people. I mean, I'm, I don't know. I'm in, in, in my day, it was relationships, career, you know, uh, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. What issues are you dealing with? Um. So, well, in terms of my approach to decide, like to. To ministry, like how? What are the issues? No, what, what, what are, are the, the big issues? things that the students ah, okay, are talking about? Yeah, I see. I see. So I think one of the big issues that really um, it affects our young people, and there's been such a lot of change on it, and so it does make the older generations feel very out of touch on it. Is um, things to do with LGBTQ issues? Um, so. Yeah, I, I think that some of our Kind young, of identity generally, yeah, yeah. not just Sexuality, their own personal identity. gender, yeah. identity, all of that, yeah. Um, and so I, I can see, it, you know, in some of our young people, they're, they're a bit like the picture you get in Ephesians 4 or James 1 where you're tossed about in the waves, like pulled in this direction and that direction. And on the one hand, they kind of understand what they're supposed to think as Christians about these topics, that they maybe don't even, don't really know what the Bible actually says in a positive way um, or don't really like what they think the Bible says about it and they feel very compelled by society's messaging on all of these things. Um, they, they, have, they, they have friends who they love who are maybe from the LGBTQ community and they want to be loving and caring, which is really great. Um, or they might struggle themselves with um, some of these issues around identity and sexuality. Um, and another thing that can come out of it is many of them are, are feeling very reluctant to speak about their faith because they're scared if they do, they'll be asked about these issues and um, caricatured in a certain way. And so that's really difficult as well. Um, so I think I'm finding that there is a, a need um, more than ever. Well, I think there probably was always a need for this, but to communicate and teach how God's design for sexuality and gender and what the Bible has to say about our identity is so good and beautiful, in fact, and a much better, a much better story than society has to offer about all of these things. Um, and just understanding the role that the fall has to play in that and and redemption um, and just that there is a way to communicate these things, which I think, sadly, the church historically hasn't always 
done in a very Christ-like way, but there is a Christ-like way to communicate about these things. And I love um, the way that Jesus is, is described in John chapter one, full of grace and truth. And I just always think that's a really helpful framework when dealing with um, these issues and lots of issues, actually, just getting that balance right between grace and truth and, and kind of, you know, sometimes different personality types can lean one way or the other, um, but having those two in tension. Um, but also preparing them for the fact that even if they do communicate things in a loving way um, and show love to their friends who are experiencing these kinds of things, they, they can still be rejected. And that's part and parcel of being a Christian um, as well. And that, okay, so, um, other issues, I, can, I could talk about other issues, sorry. That yeah, was just I, one, I mean, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> guessing like, you know, social media, self-image yeah, is, is a big thing. Yeah, that's another thing. And I think... Connected to that, I would say concentration levels. Um, a lot of them talk mm, about struggling with being able to even listen for a whole sermon or, you know, a lot of the Christian life is kind of long form learning and meditating on the Bible and spending time in prayer. And some of our um, consumption, not not just students and teens, but um, generally our consumption as a society of social media has reduced our attention span to kind of bite-sized amounts of information and, you know, TikTok levels of concentration span. And that's something that I'm, I'm finding a lot of the students struggle with. Um, and just having silence or or time to pray and be still and know that God is God. Um, you know, entertainment is so readily available. And I can relate to this, just always wanting something to listen to, not giving space to spending time in prayer and taking our thoughts captive to the Lord. Um, and yeah, so I think that's quite a struggle. Um, I think another issue that a lot of young people struggle with is pornography as well. And that's connected to social media. You know, it's the, the access to that kind of thing is so easy now. Is that a guy thing or is that a girl thing? I think oh, it's both. And I think that the church often uh, depicts it as just a, a, a guy thing, which is, even more difficult for girls who have um, struggled with that because it feels even, you know, it kind of heaps more shame, um, which is really unhelpful. So, yeah, I think it's a guy and a girl thing. Um, and I think that, the you know, many have been exposed to that kind of thing from such an early age that it's become an addiction. Um, so it's really important to bring things like that that thrive in the dark into light and, and help them to uh, navigate... What, how to handle that, how to walk in step with the spirit in that and to put things in place to cut off um, and pluck out, you know, the eye that causes you to, you know, do practical things to cut those things out and uh, support them to walk in step with the spirit. Um, yeah. Okay. That's so, so helpful talking about these things. Um, Jesus told us to make disciples, uh, and I think this is so crucial. I mean, I'm talking from a Free Church of Scotland podcast uh, po perspective. This podcast listened to by, by many folk, but a lot of our preaching is what I call turn or burn, you know, kind of re re repent, come to Jesus. Um, conversion. Now, mm. conversion is a good thing. <laughs> self <-edited, laughs> I could but that's not what Jesus called us to do he said uh, you know go out and make disciples mm. uh, which is a far bigger thing than just being converted saved born again whatever you, you you want I know that you are really interested in this discipleship issue um, talk me through your thinking about discipleship 
and in Bon Accord in the Free Church in Aberdeen, mm-hmm. how would you tend to, to practice a, a good, healthy discipling model? Well, um, so in terms of uh, my role in particular, um, probably the biggest part of my job uh, is one-to-one discipleship. Um, and I just absolutely <coughs> love this part of my job. And I think um, the reason that we do it this way is because people are different one-to-one. There's It creates a space where people can ask questions that they wouldn't feel comfortable asking in a group or sharing struggles that they wouldn't feel comfortable sharing in a group. Um, and it gives space to listen and point them to God's word and how the gospel impacts whatever they're going through. Um, you can also tailor your discipleship to their individual needs, like if um, a Bible study is appropriate or maybe it's more of a counselling kind of thing or um, just listening and talking through, again, how the gospel affects what, what they're dealing with. Um, and in that, I always ask them what they want me to pray for them and pray with them. And another benefit, I think, from doing it this way is it can model um, how to have these kinds of conversations. So my prayer and hope is it's not just stopping there, but then they'll do that with others and have those kind of intentional um, conversation, spiritual conversations with each other. Um, and it's just, it's such a blessing. I, I get as much, if not more, out of it than they do probably. Um, but I remember when I was a young Christian, in fact, even before I was a Christian, when I was a teenager living a double life, I remember wanting old, an older Christian to spend time with me and listen and ask questions and actually challenge, you know, lovingly challenge me and point me to what the gospel has to say or how does it shape, should it shape what what, what was going on in my life um, and not really having that. So I just would like to say to listeners that um, my experience is that young people really genuinely want this. And so don't be discouraged. Like, Maybe if there's a young person in your congregation who's a teenager or student age or whatever, um, just see if they want to go for a coffee and have this kind of relationship. It could be the start of a really amazing discipleship relationship. So that's one important aspect of discipleship. I think it's that one-to-one discipleship. Um, another thing that I've we've already kind of touched on, but is... Um, Bible handling, like teaching people how to handle the Bible. I think that is, I've just valued that so much in recent years. Um, and, and that's something that, you know, I do talk about one-to-one with our students, but also we in Bon Accord, we've done, we've taught um, small groups how to do it, um, done it with our teens. And this is something I've learned so much from Joe, our minister, in the last uh, couple of years as well. Um and, you know, like a verse like 2 Timothy 2.15 talks about um, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. So that implies there is an incorrect way to handle God's word. Um, and that can lead to really harmful things. Um, so, you know, teaching people, equipping every believer how, with how to, to handle God's word rightly and faithfully is is so important. And what I think happens when you're doing that is I've noticed in our students, they want to study the less well-trodden books of the Bible. They want, they're they're more interested in the whole counsel of God's word. They're wanting to study the prophets and they're wanting to study, you know, some of the more obscure books. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Even that, absolutely. I've had 
requests to study that as well. Absolutely. So, yeah, which I think can only be a good thing. I mean, do you do this one-to-one? Folks think of training. Maybe we put too much emphasis on training when sometimes folk are just good at it and just natural. How how, how do you do it? Do you just... Mm. Yeah, um, I think... I think obviously, you know, different people do have different gifts and we see that in scripture that, that people are differently gifted. But I also think that anyone can do it and I think that training is a really good thing. Um, and, and I think even people who are gifted with it, we, you know, everyone can learn better how to do anything better. We're always learning. That's so, a great point, yeah. Yeah, I think training is, is always a good thing. Um so, you know, for our um, mentorship program, we do do a little bit of training for our mentors, but I think we could do it better. I think we could do more, but um, yeah. And I should say another yeah, part uh, of disciple. Um, oh, sorry, you, you go mm-hmm. ahead. I was just going to say keep, another no, part of discipleship going, is just popping I, I into said, I sent you more to say, so keep <laughs> saying it. Um, you know, teach, like, not just starting from the Bible and seeing what the Bible says, but actually going the other direction and teaching um, our young people or whoever... how do we come across a topical issue, like some of the things we talked about, like to do with sexuality um, or identity or apologetics? And how do we, how do we um, look at that, think about that from a biblical worldview? So giving them tools to go from that direction as well um, is really important too. Yeah, great. Um, What about like, do, do you ever do sort of guys or is it always girls or, or does it work okay, mm-hmm. both genders? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I, I meet up with the guys and the girls and um, I I honestly think it's it's a really good thing. I think it's such a benefit being so old. <laughs> that makes things a lot clearer <laughs> cut. And we always meet uh-huh. in public, we always meet in, you know, cafes uh-huh. Um so I consume probably far too much coffee. Um, but it's it's a real blessing. And I think this is something I've come to really think see as important is um, our relationship as brothers and sisters and spiritual mothers and spiritual children and, and fathers and children. Um, yeah. I think we have a lot to learn from the other perspective. You know, God made us equal and different. Um, and so we, we can learn from each other. And I, I think it's... It's actually can be more harmful when we're we're like oh you can never meet up with the opposite sex because yeah. it puts it it create it creates a like you see the opposite sex in an unhealthy lens it's a like, danger oh, yeah. yeah where whereas yeah, that yeah. brother sister framework I think is so much healthier yeah. and obviously you have to be wise about it um, but that's why we be yeah. in public places and you know um, yeah, yeah. there are yeah. things you have to consider but I think it's a good thing to learn from our brothers and our sisters. <laughs> I mean, when you read books uh, about kind of women studying the Bible and getting together, it's often what are called maybe feminine issues, hospitality, mm-hmm. you know, modesty, motherhood, hospitality, even baking. Um, <laughs> how, how are you getting away from that stereotypical range of mm-hmm. subjects? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think it it just doesn't come into play in the way that we approach things in Monocord. We don't really, we don't particularly see our girls and guys 
discipleship needs is that different. There's one or two. We we have separate spaces for guys and girls Bible study. Apart from that, we don't really do anything separate. They learn about the same things. They're discipled in the same ways. Um, and um, I yeah, I just I think that's that's really healthy. And I think the assumption behind that I've I've definitely seen that come into play. Kind of this idea that women are perhaps not as interested in theology or as capable um, in terms of handling theology or they don't have a need for it. But I just think that's so untrue. Um, I've seen in our young people, the women are as as capable and as interested as the men. And I just don't think it's biblical. I think when we look at Jesus, he interacts with women as disciples. He sees them as theological minds. Um, I love you know, the scene with Mary and Martha where Martha's doing all her domestic chores and she thinks Mary should be too. And Jesus commends Mary for sitting at his feet, which is an idiom for the position of discipleship. She, He's really affirming her as a woman, as a woman disciple. And we see lots of conversations that he has with women are quite theologically robust, like Martha at the death of Lazarus, all about the resurrection and the women of Samaria. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's... Um, I think sometimes we overemphasize the difference between men and women um, in the church, and that's not necessarily helpful or biblical either. I think in you know Genesis one and two, we see the emphasis is actually on sameness. There's where men and women are made in God's image. Adam's delight at seeing Eve is that she's bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. It's that she's she's so alike. She's so like him. And I don't want to underplay difference. They are different but the differences are complementary and so there's a picture of partnership that's there um and that that you know the woman um is that azer that that hebrew word azer that's often translated helper but coming it, that's more of a, i sometimes think helper is not the most helpful word there it's, it's often used for god helping his people so it's like a, a partnering together and i think if men and women are meant to be partnering together they both need to be learning how to handle God's word well and and need to be learning theology and um yeah and both are are going to be maybe biological mothers and fathers but definitely spiritual mothers and fathers so equally they need to learn about motherhood fatherhood pa you know parenthood yeah. together they need to learn you know even the feminine things men should be hospitable too you know it goes both ways both mm. sexes i think should be disciple most of the bible is actually addressed to both sexes, not to one sure. or the other. So yeah, because you know the, the things I says. Well, modesty. Who says you know it's just girls have to be modest? Baking. Who says just girls? You know um, stuff st stuff like that. It's it's interesting. You're, you're talking about mentoring. I, I'd really like that to be more and more part of our own particular denominational culture. I mean, I'm I'm conscious here this podcast, thankfully, is listened to by folk out with our, our denomination, but I'm going to be talking to a lady called Melissa Kruger in the next podcast, and Melissa has written about mentoring. So again, hopefully, of course, there'll be every member in the Free Church listens to this podcast, but <laughs> I hope they, they, you know, folks start talking about mentoring mm. uh, and practising yeah. it uh, in their lives. Now, uh, again, this podcast comes out of Free Church of Scotland, uh, stable, Presbyterian stable, but listened to by, by many uh, other folk. Um, I'm interested, the Free Church has changed in your lifetime and in mine. Uh, comment about the good and the bad, uh, not maybe specific, you know, sure, specifically about the Free Church, but 
I think what what's happening in, in the future is typical of many, you know, Christian churches. So just, just comment on your very, very long, expensive <laughs> life. Um, <laughs> um, well, like the obvious change in the free church would be the introduction of hymns and music. But I think that is indicative of uh, another change, which I see and I really welcome. And that's the the kind of willingness and humility of being able to look at what we do and rethinking it biblically, not assuming we do, like everything we do is right just because we've always done it that way. And I think that's a really healthy thing. Um, And I also see um, a change in the number of women in boards and committees and employed by the church and uh, just more of a picture of women and men partnering together, um, which is really encouraging and an openness to conversations about it. And I, like since taking on this job, I have to say I've experienced nothing but warmth and welcome from my brothers in Christ, like from church-wide, you know, seminars and committees that I've been part of and also in my own church, the session, all the men, you know, just a lovely warmth um, about as a woman working in the church. Um, And I think in the past, the free church was so anxious about overstepping in regard to women not doing, you know, doing things that they're not supposed to, like things that aren't women's role. Um, And what's kind of what had happened was a hedge in a rather pharisaical fashion had been created around that and kind of put women in this tiny little spot of just... Baking and crash and, and Sunday school. There's a danger of, of patriarchy, isn't there? Yeah, patriarchy and I think that's domination. just as damaging for the church. And I think that impoverished the mm-hmm. church that we didn't have a healthy biblical picture of men and women working together. Um, but I can see that starting to happen. And I don't think we're quite there yet, but I'm really encouraged by what I'm seeing um, there as well. Okay. Yeah. Well, that really leads me on very neatly to, to my next issue. I mean, folk talk about two big words, complementarianism, egalitarianism. Mm. Um, What's your understanding of these terms and do you think they're helpful? Mm. Um, I don't think that they're that helpful because I think Mm. when you say them, you can mean one thing and the other person understands something different. They've become quite loaded terms and have different connotations maybe in different circles. Um, I I think both of them have biblical truth in them. Um, I think that the picture of complementarianism of, of men and women being created equal and complementary is is what I would see as a more biblical view. But within complementarianism, I think you can have very narrow versions of it um, that can be quite damaging. Like, for example, um, saying that women should be subordinate to men in every aspect and every area of life. I think that's a really harmful version. Um, And I think with egalitarian, obviously the risk is sort of implying that men and women are interchangeable. And I don't think that's the picture we see in the Bible either. Um, So, yeah. Um, But I would say as well that um, this is a secondary issue and um, both both camps, whatever part of the spectrum people are on, they're my brothers and sisters in Christ and... um, uh, yeah, I would see, see them like that. <laughs> no, that's, that's so, so helpful. Uh, you are a wife, you are a mother, you're a professional, you're in ministry. 
I'm interested, I think a, a lot of our listeners are interested, how much time should you spend on on church things? I mean, I know that both yourself and, and your husband are from church families. Both of you come from families where Christian service was, was a big value. Mm. Um, you know, from, from your perspective, how much time should we spend in, in church things and uh, when's the balance wrong? <laughs> I feel very underqualified to answer this question. <laughs> um, well, I think there's a, a, a danger of two extremes. You can have one, on the one hand, church is just for Sundays and it's kind of compartmentalised and it's just this separate thing, an addendum to your life. And I think that's very, very unhealthy. Um, but I think the other extreme is that you can have burnout because you're just expending yourself and you're doing, doing, doing. Um, and you're not leaving space for um, even relationships with people outside of the church, which is really important as well. Um, I think that the picture we have of church in the Bible is is usually a family or a body, and that means we're intricately connected to that. We're, we're we, so we should be sacrificially serving in church, but we also are finite beings, um, and we need to remember that. Um, God is God and we are not and we are needing rest and refreshment and relaxation as well and I think that um, we can lose sight of the fact that we're called to rest in Christ and actually coming to church should be a time of worship um, and being fed and sometimes we can be guilty of doing, doing, doing or just receiving passively so I think yeah sometimes it's healthy to check that we're we're not just all doing and we're not just all receiving but there's a balance of both um, but yeah, I, I don't think I've necessarily got the balance right yet. <laughs> you're, you're you're working on it. Mm. Do you, do you think you do you try and was well, a question? It's only one answer. Uh, do you try and teach your young people the value of of church, mm -hmm. the the, mm. the local church? Oh yeah, yeah. I think that's really really important. Um, that yes. I, we talk about our church family a lot. We talk in those terms, and I think that's really important, uh, an important framework to give them, um, and that it's um, it's really important to be under the oversight of the church as well. We, we kind of talked a lot about men, uh, membership recently as well, and just that um, you know we want to be held accountable. We want to be have the truth spoken to us in love and be open and humble to that and wanting to serve in the church, wanting to um, be a contributing member that every person is, has a role to play and um, that we want to, yeah, all of them, all of them are value, valued and we need, you know, for the church to thrive, all of them are to be part of that um, as well. And, mm. Yeah. Good, good. Well, I mean, we're covering a lot of bases just now. One of the ironies you spoke about social media and concentration is, and this is always a paradox, young folk like podcasts and some <laughs> podcasts go on for like <laughs> over an hour. Isn't it counterintuitive? <laughs> yeah, I guess I mean, th th so. This one's not, you know, <laughs> we, we go to 45 minutes, but... Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know the explanation for that. You know, uh, I, you know. I know some young guys. They will listen to long podcast. Podcast. Mm, you know, mm -hmm. over an hour is is, is typical. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I think usually um, they're doing something else at the same time, though, aren't they? So maybe that's why yeah, they can manage. Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> okay. Um, we're coming near near the end now. Uh, time has really flown by, but 
a strap line that, that we're using in, in our circles just now uh, is a healthy gospel church for every community in Scotland. So as, as you as you dream and as you work, what do you think the characteristics are of a healthy church? Yeah, um, so we've been looking at Ephesians chapter 4 quite a bit in Bon Accord recently, and I think that's a really helpful chapter for this question. Um, what we see there is a picture of unity and how important unity is. Um, and I think this is kind of quite counterintuitive to us um, just now in our society because such an emphasis is made on the individual and it, that can create a kind of consumerist attitude towards church and you can come to church thinking, well, what is this offering me? And, you know, even coming like a film critic and quite critical of what's going on or of the sermon or of, well, nobody's coming to talk to me or, you know, critical of the people in the church. Um, and actually what we see in Ephesians 4 is a totally different focus. It's um, a focus on the needs of the other rather than of our own needs. Um, like verse 2, we see it talks about being humble and gentle. So we've got the onus is on us to, to be humble and care about our impact on others. And we're told to patiently bear with others, which implies that we need patience because people might be difficult um, because we're all sinners. We're difficult. To, you know, There's an we should have an expectation that church might be a bit of work, actually, um, in terms of being patient and bearing with people. Um, and then a really important emphasis on sound biblical teaching and doctrine that's Christ-focused. And I just think you cannot have a healthy church without that. That's the, where it all starts from, it flows from, because like as it's in the picture, the picture we're given in Ephesians 4 is Christ as our head. And um that equips, you know, equips us for some of the stuff we've talked about, being able to identify false teaching, but also the kind of messages that we're getting from society that might be unhelpful and unhealthy as well. Um, but what I really, I also really love in that chapter is that there's a picture of the church, the whole church working together. Every part of the church is involved. And that really is so different to what used to, maybe this is an answer to a previous question about the free church, where there used to be, I think, a lot more of the picture of the minister doing everything and the church the congregation just turning up and passively uh, taking part, uh, like, yeah, re receiving. Um, this is a picture of all of the members of the church being part of um, part of that process of speaking the truth in love. So there's, there is a discipleship element going on that everyone should be involved in. And that implies that there should be open and honest relationships, that we are not supposed to be putting up a facade with one another. We're supposed to be sharing our struggles and um, and speaking into those by pointing uh, each other to Jesus. And I think that would also um, flow out in the, that we should be looking to make sure everyone is part of that. So those who are on the edge and who are struggling or, or those who haven't shown up for a while, we should be pursuing them and bringing them in and, and saying, you know, you are valued here. We we need you as part of our church. Um, and, and also for new people, they should be welcomed and and um, and valued um, as well. So, yeah. Great. We are recording this. I don't know if you can hear explosions in the background there, but we are, we are recording this during the uh, uh, time when King Charles is receiving the Orders of Scotland. And as I speak, there's a 21-gun salute. So if you hear some explosions in the background, that's what it is. And do you enjoy your work? Oh, I love my work. I am continuously thankful for this 
job and um, to the Lord for constantly um, equipping me in it. And, and just the young people, I feel so optimistic about the next generation. They are they're really, the, the, certainly the ones that I've met and know, um, they want to know the Lord. They want to study his word. Their desires are to grow in um, in knowledge of him and love for him and service to him. So, yeah, it's, it's a real privilege to have a front row seat and see the Lord at work in the next generation. What a great way to finish our, our conversation. And thank you for giving me... Um, moments of your valuable time i've so enjoyed that and i will listen to it again and there's lots of things that kind of synapses were going off all over my my brain then uh, listeners thank you for tuning in to this latest uh, healthy gospel church podcast again please tell your friends about it we're seeing our, our listeners growing uh, it's not just about numbers we think there's some useful conversations Thank you for coming along and please join us for the next episode uh, where I think we'll be having Melissa Kruger. Uh, Anne McDonald, thank you for coming along today. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, David. Thank you.